Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to the Three Bonus Points Podcast with George Osborne and Brian King. Hello and welcome to the Three Bonus Points Podcast, a fantasy football podcast. My name is Ryan Keeney and he is George Osborne. George, how are you? I'm okay, thank you very much, Ryan. How's things going? Yes, really well, thanks. Uh, just been for a first marathon training run um, after agreeing to do the London Marathon. So other than being slightly terrified and, and speechless for most of this week, I'm very well, thank you. Oh, that's good. That's very good. And you you had quite a marathon week in the fantasy football last time out. Well, it's, it's, that's quite the link. Uh, but yes, quite pleased with 76 points. Um, I think I'd be pleased with 76 points at, at any other time. But given that the, the rest of the game seemed to struggle slightly, yeah. um, I'm I'm quite quite pleased well more than than quite pleased you uh finished on in the mid 40s i think i did indeed and i was actually quite pleased with that as well which is rare um because mm. it was a really tough week so i think there's a lot of people um i know i was talking with a lot of people who were feeling quite disheartened this week being like well you know i've, I've returned to you know a really bad total but actually this was a really, really tricky week. And I was even looking at my team in terms of, you know, the criteria that I outlined a couple of episodes ago, you know, about my sort of theory of how close do I get to 55. And I would have been hitting my normal 55 total if Harry Kane had scored and if I'd had Christian Atsu on the pitch instead of on the bench as my third substitute. So in what was a bad week, I'm actually broadly pleased with 46, but 76 is obviously much better than that. Uh, yeah, I was uh, helped massively by, I think, having the players that got three bonus points and two bonus points in both the Tottenham and Man City games, yeah. uh, as well as goals and assists and a couple of clean sheets, I think, in defence, now that I think about it. Um, so, yes, it, it, it went well. I played my wild card and it, it came off nicely, which um, is exactly kind of what you want. It, it, nobody wants to play a wild card and then kind of stutter to a score. You want to play a wild card and, and feel like you know what you're doing. Exactly. And, and I think... 
one of the things as well just to mention is that all four of our set piece pieces for for the set piece all of our all of our picks um chris wood in raheem sterling in and ben foster out and romelu lukaku out they were all good this week mm, they were they were i was i was feeling relatively pleased with the like my Lukaku shirt. I, 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 it's something I think we'll touch on in a, a bit when we we talk about it. But um, yeah, I was that was slightly risky, I think. Uh, but I'm, I'm pleased with how it's handled. And Raheem Sterling seemed like a bit of a no-brainer. And again, we're going to talk about City a lot, I think, in, in this show because they've been phenomenal in the last seven days. Yeah. Um, but to kind of kick us off, I wanted to talk about what surprised you most about the weekend just gone. It was one of those weekends where. Nobody in the top six, seven seemed to do particularly well, or all the teams that you expected to get results didn't. And it was just which is your, which was your your standout result? It was it was tough to pick. I think probably it's I think it was the Chelsea defeat against Crystal Palace that, that was the standout pick. Um, obviously because Palace hadn't scored prior to that particular fixture, so for them to score twice, that was quite surprising. Um, I mean I know that Chelsea have been a little bit up and down so far this season um but i thought actually that they would produce a better performance than that and so to lose 2-1 against palace was probably the biggest shock um i think the other one i'd say would be tottenham failing to put bournemouth away more convincingly i think that one they'll win um, you know it, it's one of those results that broadly speaking was was good for fpl managers because a lot of people have had spurs defenders in their sides mm-hmm. or they've had christian erickson you know who's a, a fancy football points machine um Mm -hmm. but uh, harry kane was one of the standout captain picks and so the fact that he didn't actually get on the score sheet was pretty i was it was it was pretty disappointing i think that's fair to say um and then liverpool manchester united um we talked it up i think in the build-up to the game and we mentioned the fact that we were hoping it wasn't going to be as boring um as the previous fixture unfortunately it was um it was an absolute snore fest and that is not particularly helpful for anyone in fantasy football um i mean it does help uh, all of the 40 percent of people roughly who've got david Gea and had him in their sides um but for anyone who had any of the liverpool midfielders and attackers or someone like the Kaku and Mkhitaryan it was essentially useless yeah it was a two points plus a clean sheet at best for any midfielders that you had really wasn't it yeah um, and what did you make of Arsenal that I a lot of the talk this week it, and I think the surprising one is that um, as you've mentioned Chelsea was probably the most shocking result but it's the one that's been least talked about I think because there was um, obviously Mourinho and, and parking the bus and, and not getting a result there but also Arsenal Away at Watford, who we talked up last week, is a side that are much improved this season. But it wasn't a game. I don't think either of us would have admitted that we saw Arsenal necessarily losing. No, I I, I thought it was the kind of game that Arsenal could draw. Um, you know that that was definitely possible, and I thought it was the kind of game that Watford could score and and could be could be threatening. I didn't actually see. Um, as you say, I didn't see the defeat coming. Um, the one thing that I would say, um, Richarlison, it's no surprise really to see him involved in proceedings for, for Watford because, frankly, he's becoming, as some people I think have already dubbed him, the Josh King of this year's fantasy football, you know, seemingly quite a reliable point scorer from the midfielder uh, positions. Um, but beyond that, I think the one thing to really note about Arsenal is that people are now looking at that result and starting to look back at their away form in 2017. And it's become apparent that they are one of the worst in terms of their away form over the calendar year. I think it's something along the lines of 14 points picked up away from home, which really is not particularly good. So I think it's one of those things where when Arsenal play at home, there's a reasonable chance of a return. When Arsenal play away, I think it's a case of looking to avoid them in the coming weeks and months. 
Yeah, it's it's grinning and bearing it, which leaves me a bit of a conundrum this week because I brought in Lacazette as part of my wild card. <laughs> um, and I, this is kind of one of those points where I want to talk a little bit about. I, I have a theory about Champions League and Europa League games, and everybody makes a, a bit has made a bit of a big thing along over the recent weeks about playing on Thursday and then Sunday for the Europa League teams and and how that affects the players and, and the quick turnaround. But I also think there is a a reverse for anybody in the Champions League where the week before they play the Champions League. A lot of teams have got one eye on, on games coming up. Um, I spotted this uh, when Leicester were there. That actually Leicester, in the games preceding their group matches, they were awful. They won one of six and, and were generally awful because it was clear that either the, the players were keen to play in the Champions League game so weren't committed as much, weren't making the same number of tackles, weren't kind of challenging as much. And I think that can be the case for a lot of these sides that you kind of build up your week to get, especially through the first four Champions League games, you want to be top two in your group being assured of qualification as quickly as possible so that you can focus on other things and I think I'm not saying drop all five players from <laughs> all four or five Champions League sides but just be wary that some sides are going to make changes they're going to shuffle the deck in the week before the Champions League game rather than the week after when they've then got I think what is it is it League Cup next week or um, yeah. a, st- a slight week off where they, they can shuffle a pack a little bit more without too many consequences. Yeah, and I think I think the impact as well. Um, you know, it whether it is level of focus or whether it's the impact of rotation. You know, it's the kind of thing that generally does affect a side's you know fluidity going forwards or to its defensive ability at the back. So you know, I think there is potentially that effect and something that is definitely worth mitigating for. Though there was one side who didn't seem to be too affected by the idea of playing Champions League football in midweek. No, one side. <laughs> who have, have blown everybody away in the last week and, and have an incredibly impressive win over Stoke. Yes, they conceded two, but um, that's not... They scored seven. And then beating Napoli, who are flying at the top of Serie A this season with, with a flawless eight wins from eight games. Um, and that was Man City. So they've they've started this season brilliantly, coupled with their form before the, the long international break. Are we at a stage where we th- people should be thinking about getting as many City players in this team as possible? I mean, I'm considering trying to get in free... City players, um, two midfielders and an attacker next week. Um, mm-hmm. Currently, I've got two City players in. Um, my transfer this week was to take out Mkhitaryan and replace him with Raheem Sterling. Um, so I've got Sterling and Silver in the midfield ahead of their game against Burnley. Um, but I do think that it's, it is definitely worth considering trying to squeeze that third player in up front because, I mean, City's form recently has been absolutely irresistible. I think it's the last three Premier League home games they've scored 17 times. Um, and I think there's, you know, there, there, there's something about City. They, they've tended to score um, large amounts of goals at home in the Premier League over, I think, pretty much ever since they became the rich money bags club. And, you know, I think it's tended to be Sergio Aguero potentially popping in a hat trick here or there to go towards a 5 0 win. I think the thing that's really been noticeable about their recent performances is how they feel less like they're reliable upon one player having a particularly good day or City being a little bit streaky and more about the fact that they seem to be consistently outplaying and ripping apart sides who are, you know, by almost any other metric, relatively decent sides, but who when put Mm. up against that, that particular set of players proves not to be what you're hoping that they're going to be. And I think as well, one of the things that we were really concerned about at the start of the season was rotation and about that possible effect on City. And I think... That is still a 
bit of a concern, but I think actually there are probably at least two or three players out of the six who are at the top of City's point scoring players who I think you can actually rely upon to start most games. So I think as long as you're structuring your squad fairly carefully, I think it may well be worth considering going for free. Yeah, I've been pondering um, dropping Lacazette for Tammy Abraham to then give me money in midfield for Kevin De Bruyne, I think. Yeah. Um, I, th- I mean, the, the reason we pick out City is not just the two wins in the last week. Their upcoming fixture list is pretty kind. They've got Burnley, West Brom, Arsenal and Leicester should be tricky, and then um, Huddersfield, Southampton, West Ham, all before, I think, it's Manchester United on December 9th. So that is an, a, a kind fixture list in amongst the Champions League that... There's not too much that should derail the ship, even if there is a, a couple of dodgy results in there. They they should be pretty heavy point scorers. Yeah, and I think there's also just simply this this embarrassment of riches almost from a fancy football perspective. You know, there are players on different ends of the spectrum in terms of likelihood for a return. I mean, I think David Silva, for example, you know, he's 27.2 percent ownership now, at 8.6 million. The reason why so many managers are backing him is because okay, he's got six assists and a goal this season, but he's pretty much starting every single game he can. Pep Guardiola has made him captain and it's, you know, it's one of those really obvious things that he is building that side around him and keeping him in there at least for as, as long as I think humanly possible. So you've got someone like that, but then you've also got some really attractive, juicier options on the less certain side of things. I mean, Leroy Sane, I think is the ultimate example of this because he's the riskiest, I think, to own mm. out of Manchester City players. 8.4 million, so he's pretty expensive, 9% ownership. And I think he's only actually started for Premier League games this season but even with that he's returned in double digits on three separate occasions so far this this year and I think it's like there's just this really nice spread of players who've got high ownerships you know like someone like of course Silva someone even like Jesus for example but then there are tempting options like Aguero whose ownership is actually surprisingly low at the moment because of those games that he recently missed so it just feels to me as if you want to be taking a little bit of a risk on City players and actually um, going the whole hog because you know that if one of them gets rested, you still get potentially two, um, and at the very least, I think, one player who's likely to play. Yeah, I think the, the, the big thing with City is, I was looking at them this week, they've used 20 players so far this season, but I would be surprised if they use much more, if Pep Guardiola pulls up Pep Guardiola. Um, uses sorry stumble all over that. Um, uses more than twenty five, I think, this season, and and even then, the other five that he will use won't get that many minutes. That um, there's nobody's played every single minute of every game so far. Um, there's been rotation. There's been players coming on and off, and I don't think there's necessarily going to be anybody that, especially in the midfield, that you can rely on to get like two two points for playing and and a clean sheet bonus every week. They're not going to be necessarily solidly consistent scorers, but when they do score. There's lots of players in there that can get double figures very easily in a week. Yes, and I think that's exactly what we saw last time out, actually. It's just we had a number of players getting double figures. And if you backed City players, then you reap the returns. And so I think it's very difficult to say to anyone who's playing fantasy football not to go for City players. Um, You know, I think in the defence, there's obviously going to still be some issues. And, you know, even against Stoke, they conceded twice. But think about the kinds of goals they conceded against Stoke. One of them was a touch fluky in terms of the own goal. The other one, it was a deflection that went past Edison, I believe. Mm. And I'm sitting there looking at it and thinking those were essentially Stoke's two chances in the match. And to have them both go in is lucky. 
So I think there is actually, it's, it's worth considering someone like Stones or Otamendi, who's much less likely to get rotated as a result of the fact that simply City are quite short on numbers at the back. Um, if you are thinking, I want to bring in free City, City players, but I want to be much more confident that all free start, maybe that's a way of mitigating things a little bit. Yeah, Stoke had one shot on target in that game, but scored twice. <laughs> exactly. Which is, it, 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 yeah, it's kind of one of those things that it flatters them a little bit. But Man City were um, were pretty exhilarating. Um, just we we mentioned at the top of the show, but the overall fancy Premier League average was just forty one for the last game week. Um, do you th- why do you think that was? Do you think it was big, no big scores for some of the big strikers, or have we seen that big drop off in active players that now's the time to reap some more rewards before people kind of step jump back in or or think about coming back in? I think it was a selection of strange results and unexpected happenings that I think contributed mostly to that. So I think um, if you check the FPL Twitter, they're always very, very good at pulling out some interesting stats about what's happened in the game week. And I think the most important one they pulled out last week was that out of the top 10 captains picks, only two of them scored last time out, um, Mm. which suggests to you, and I think the two players who scored were Jesus and Ericsson, um, Mm -hmm. which I think tells you a lot about the fact that um, if a player is captained and they score, I think, you know, if there's someone who's widely captained and scored, then everyone's points score is likely to go up. Whereas if you see a lot of very highly captained players like Kane and Lukaku essentially had, I think, about 2.5 to 2.8 million players captaining them, whereas it then dropped down to about 300,000 for about Jesus. So you've got that sudden cliff edge between the most popular captains and then the captains further down the line and if that happens and other captains don't score as well and there's not enough depth then I think it tends to mean two things first of all that a lot of the top teams aren't actually performing as well so everyone's point score comes down and second those captains who are likely to bring someone's total up don't get the return that they're expected and that brings the whole average down Fair uh, and over the last kind of eight weeks has there been any uh, some weird selections that are cause of concern around kind of consistent players outside of the top sides, or are there any injuries? For example, Ben Davis not playing um, in the last seven days that you're thinking about kind of pulling the trigger on and, and cutting loose? I think Ben Davis is probably the player who I'm most worried about. Um, the reason why is not because he hasn't performed well this season. I think, you know, he obviously has. He's been returning very successfully when he has actually been playing. But there's two things that, that worry me about him. The first one is the fact that um, you're talking about Champions League rotation. Um, this week he was ill, but previously he was rotated ahead of a Champions League game and didn't play a minute, which means that, you know, you have to rely on having a strong bench to be able to have him in your side. Second, and I think more pressingly, Danny Rose returned uh, to the Tottenham side midweek when he went out on to the pitch of the Bernabeu. In fact, I think he played central midfield for a little bit. Um, But he's the kind of person who could very easily be replacing Ben Davis in that defence, potentially for a longer period of time, if his illness um, does hold out. So I think he's a potential concern. I also think uh, at Manchester United, the Rashford problem, um, you know, he limped off in midweek, Mm. seemingly with some sort of injury. Um, He was one of the players that I think people were starting to warm up to. Um, I think he's a relatively cheap striker, and admittedly he might have been playing on the flank, but he was providing some returns and was generally looking quite dangerous. I think if he's out of action you're probably more thinking towards Martial for United. But then I'm thinking also as well in terms of Manchester United's mix and in terms of their forthcoming fixtures after this away trip to Huddersfield, I think it's quite difficult for you to be essentially pinning too much on Manchester United players in the short term. And would you consider any Liverpool players 
for I need spe- well, not sorry, not Liverpool players. I need um, Liverpool defenders or goalkeepers in your side. They seem we seem to think their midfield and, and attacking options are pretty exciting, but at the back, even with that clean sheet against Manchester United, I think the thing that thing there for you. I think the thing that really surprised me is who the third top scoring FPL player is for Liverpool at this moment in time. Um, it's Joe Gomez. Um, and he's not got a huge amount of points. Um, you know, Liverpool's obviously have been a little bit defensively shaky. And there's a few factors in there at play, like, for example, Mane's injury, um, Coutinho being out, and he's only just sort of really started to register returns in his last couple of fixtures. But with Joe Gomez costing four and a half million um, and his ownership pretty low, I would be suggesting that he is someone worth looking at. Not because I think that Liverpool are necessarily defensively brilliant, um, but I think there is that potential that if you're needing someone who can rotate in for home fixtures, you know, where you can sit there and think reasonably there's a good chance of a clean sheet in this match, he may well be a good option for a side that's looking for a player who's at the top of proceedings um, and who's going to be at the top of the league, um, but who won't necessarily break the bank. Fair. That makes sense. Um, there was supposed to leave time in, in part one for me to bask in the glory of my wild card, but we've already done that, so we can move on. Um, just join us after this small pause for part two and a look ahead to the football coming up this weekend. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the three bonus points podcast. Nearly forgot our name there for a second. And to our focus on the Premier League fixtures this weekend. And for a second week in a row, the headline fixture involves Liverpool as they take on Tottenham at Wembley. It can't be as boring as the last time they were involved in a Premier League match, Liverpool. Um, I mean, I think um, this is a game that has a potential for some for a certain amount of goals. Um, but I think it's going to be difficult. I, it, it's, it's the classic thing of when you're looking at your FPL side and you're looking at the big games I'm never a big fan for trusting a return in a big match because that it's just, it's just too difficult to call. Mm. It, especially after Liverpool kind of clicked in the game in the Champions League, that it would be very typical of the Premier League that they would then struggle again to score and we get a relatively drab affair at Wembley. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, you know, with the greatest of respect to Maribor, slamming seven uh-huh. pass at Maribor is a little bit tri- different to Spurs successfully. I mean, essentially successfully nullifying Real Madrid. I mean, they, they did have to ride their luck a little bit at times. But I mean, anyone who goes away to Real Madrid um, will have to ride their luck a little bit at times to get a, a positive result. And they did. So I think there is this potential element for um, Spurs' defence to cancel out new, uh, to cancel out Newcastle, cancel out Liverpool's attacking mm-hmm. options. Um, I mean, I think if I was going to back a Liverpool attacking option, I'd probably be looking at Coutinho over anyone else, um, principally because obviously he's, re- he's been returning recently. And although Salah and Firmino um, have both proven pretty popular, Coutinho's ownership's around about 10.5% at this moment in time. Uh, at 9 million, he's a little bit cheaper than Salah as well. And I think one of the things about Coutinho, and I can re- remember from looking at his um, stats from last season in fantasy football, 
out of all of the Liverpool attacking options, he was the player who was most willing to take long shots. And he actually had a pretty decent average of hitting the target. Not necessarily scoring, but hitting the target from distance. And I think in a game like this, where you're going to be coming up against potentially quite a tightly put together Spurs defence, it may well require someone doing something a little bit brilliant from distance to get a result. Mm, fair enough. Uh, and the early kickoff on Saturday is quite a tasty clash as um, Chelsea take on Watford. Yeah, for fourth. It's a, it's a, yeah. I didn't expect it to be the battle for fourth. That's that's certainly one thing that I wasn't expecting. I think the other thing that I wasn't expecting was Chelsea to be coming into a game like that with uh, just generally just sort of quite a, a number of shaky performances behind them. I think a one 0 defeat against City at home wasn't necessarily you know as, as disastrous a result as some people would think. But certainly losing 2-1 against Crystal Palace wasn't great. And then conceding three against Roma, even though they did pull pull it back to get, broadly speaking, a positive result. It means they've now conceded essentially an average of two per game in the last three, which for a fancy football manager is always dangerous and always worrying because if a defender concedes two goals, they actually lose a point. So I think from that perspective, I would be worrying a little bit about Chelsea's defenders. But... There are a couple of potential positives. If you are taking money out of your defence and are taking it off um, Chelsea back off your Chelsea back four players like Alonso, Cahill, potentially Aspilicueta as well, you can look to reinvest it in someone like Eden Hazard, who's actually not very widely owned but got a couple in midweek and therefore could be quite a good dangerous option. And then Morata's back as well. Um, and I'm not sure about how long he'll play or if he's actually that fit or that sharp but it's one of those things where again if you're willing to back Chelsea and back them to get a result against a pretty good Watford side there might be something there for you and the only kick off on Sunday is the other one that I want to talk about initially um, which is Everton at home to Arsenal clash of the two Europa League sides that's a game between two sides that we're two managers that, that need a win and two teams both needing performances so that's got what a drab 1-1 written on over it yeah, and it, it, it's kind of like the counterpoint to the try not to rely upon too many big game matches because obviously when you have a when you have a big match like um, you know Spurs versus Liverpool where you know it's clearly going to have some sort of impact on Champions League proceedings and teams are going to be that little bit cagey. I think a game like this where you've got two teams who are quite out of form, um, you know Everton obviously been struggling, you know, Ronald Koeman potentially on on the point of the sack, and Arsenal, um, you know as we mentioned earlier in the show, struggling away. From from home it's one of those games where there could be a one or um you know a result like you're saying but the people who are actually going to be getting on the score sheet could be quite difficult to predict and quite difficult to expect i mean i think if you were looking potentially for some value somewhere um alex awobi in the midfield for arsenal you know it's it's a very good low cost budget option and i think with everton you know there's one thing that has been happening so far this season which has been that Rooney in fairness to him has been getting on the score sheet and so if you were looking for a cheaper striker you may want to go that way Um, but then the other thing that I'd say in terms of Everton is that if you were thinking about taking a bit of a punt on them getting back on track take a look at Nikola Vlasic Um, you know again another very good low cost option coming from the midfield young player creative and I think generally Everton have looked more dangerous recently when he's been on the pitch so um, it's not exactly a game that I'm going to be betting anything hard on but if you enjoy a bit of a flutter maybe maybe one of your low-cost midfield options could deliver for you Hmm. interesting Um, after a quiet week for all three last week who do you think is going to score the most points this game week Lukaku, Kane or Morata? It's really tough to say I mean I I think Lukaku um, 
I wouldn't be at all surprised if he scores away at Huddersfield, but Lukaku's problem this season has been the fact that he's been scoring a lot of singles. So, you know, he's been scoring once a game, which is great. And it's the kind of consistency that fancy football managers, you know, hoping to get. But at the same time, it means that he's not getting those occasional gluts that he was getting at Everton last year. Um, And that means that as a captain choice, he's kind of a solid pick. And it wouldn't be at all surprising if he did get a goal and did get his own six points. But equally, it also wouldn't be that surprising if that was all he got them. Um, Maratta at Watford. Watford are pretty defensively sound, but I think it'd be very difficult for them to keep a clean sheet. Maratta, I think, is pretty much Chelsea's major focal point. I think one of the reasons why they struggled at Crystal Palace was that they lacked a focal point like that who was as effective as them. Um, so I think it wouldn't be at all surprising to see Morata get on the end of that, but Watford are tricky opponents. And then Harry Kane against Liverpool. Um, Liverpool actually now have um, a couple of clean sheets on the trot, potentially even more. Um, but I would say that Harry Kane would be a reasonable bet to score this weekend, but I would probably go for Lukaku as my pick out of those three, even if I'm not entirely sure he's going to return that many points. Fair enough. That's an interesting choice. Um, so after the high of, of last week and beating Chelsea and, and kind of getting the not only the first goal but the first points of the season, is, I kind of want to flip it around. Is now a good time for Newcastle to face Crystal Palace? Because I, I can't see them backing up that impressive win with a performance so far away as St James's Park. I I can't really see them doing it, but I think there's a couple of things that fantasy managers do want to be considering at least. Um, I think the notable thing was that Townsend and Zaha were essentially playing as the forwards for Crystal Palace. And I think the fact that Zaha returned and immediately they presented much more of a goal threat, I don't think that is actually a huge surprise. I mean, it makes you think about Frank de Boer and about the fact that he essentially didn't have Zaha available to him during his Mm. very brief tenure in charge of Crystal Palace and makes you wonder about how quickly they pulled the trigger there. But if you are thinking about pulling the trigger on Palace players for your teams within the coming weeks, well, I think... Andros Townsend's at 5.7 million. Um, he's only owned by 1%, so he could be a very good cheap option there. And Zaha is at about 6.7 million. His price has come down because of the fact that he was obviously missing for a period at the start of the season. So I think if you were fancying Palace to go and build upon their result against Chelsea, those two would be the players that I'd be looking towards. Interesting. Didn't notice that, but that is quite interesting. Um, and I just wanted to check what your plans are for game week nine, Joy, before we move on. Um, as in the last five game weeks, I've noticed that you've left Christian Atsu, Stephen Ward, uh, Paco Gross and Ben Davis all on your bench. And if we total those points together, they would have given you an extra 38. Uh, Atsu got five, Ward got 12 and the week you left him out. Gross got seven and, and Davis got 14. So can you just let us know who's on your bench this week sure. so I can bring them in? Sure, well I've got Gross <laughs> as my top substitute um, and then I've got Ben Davis and then Ward in that particular order. I think Ben Davis probably won't return and I'm actually thinking about maybe shifting him out, taking a four point hit to do that. Um, Ward, um, Burnley against Man City. Good luck with that one. Uh, it's just like, I think he's I think he's performing well, but, um, I, you know, I just feel like anyone going to City at the moment is going to be having a tough time of it. Um, but Gross, you know, he's got actually quite a good fixture away at West Ham, um, and he got himself an assist last time out. I think he's been involved in the vast majority of Brighton's goals this season, either in terms of scoring them or assisting them. Um, and, you know, West Ham, I think, 
have been a touch defensively dodgy recently. So I think there's more than a chance that he will make me regret putting Atsu on the pitch in his place instead. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, are we expecting another assist from Joe Hart on Friday night? Probably not. I mean, I think that was the first assist in the Premier League since Joel Robles got one on Boxing Day uh, of uh, 2016. So I think you get one of those a year. But if he does get another one, you know, it would certainly put him on the fancy radar from that perspective, though I'd be a little bit worried about him getting a red card for conceding a penalty within the coming weeks. I think um, Joe Hart's last... Joe Hart has an assist, had an, an assist before, and I think it was in 2010-11. Um when I was looking back through it. So he doesn't have previous for it. I don't think you can start relying on him to uh, to be a, a goal machine, uh, sorry, an assist machine um, for that. And kind of wanted to round up the, the other fixtures that we've got, but I, I just saw that like Saturday's evening kickoff is Southampton against West Brom, and neither of those sides have been playing particularly well of late. No. That that could be the most boring TV fixture in Premier League history. It could well be. And what I would say to people listening is that I think Manolo Gabbiadini personally hates me. Um, I'm not entirely (laughs) sure why Um, I had him in my fantasy team towards the tail end of last season and he was one of the big reasons why I think I missed out on a better end to the season than I was hoping for this season I backed him early because Southampton had good fixtures he scored once so I removed him and I needed a Newcastle clean sheet last week I think to really rescue my week and so he scored twice so um, this week I'm probably going to be relying on Craig Dawson coming in and West Brom you know they've only got one clean sheet I think in the last six now so obviously expect Gabbiadini to punish me again this week big hat-trick for Gabbiadini apparently Um, just to kind of put my mind at ease if you had to choose between Tammy Abraham so Swansea uh, are playing home to Leicester Mm. obviously just sack the manager or um, Mami Biram Juf and I can't remember where Stoke are this weekend Uh, they're at home to Bournemouth who would you choose? Uh, probably Tammy Abraham I think he looks um I think he looks better set to score consistently. Good. That's fine. You agree with me, so that's all right. I will just complete that transfer while I'm finishing recording the podcast. <laughs> just to lock it in. Um, good luck for game week nine, George. Thank you very much. Um, as usual, dear listener, if you want to get in touch, get following us on Twitter uh, with username three bonus points, three bonus PTS. Um, and if you want to drop us an email with a comment, a query, question or a suggestion um, you can email us show at threebonuspoints.com until next week take care and good luck bye bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 